0: Hey! Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Stone Table. My name is Travis, and I'm the teaching pastor here at Bay Life Church.
1: And I'm his wife, Mickey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you're employed, right? Yes,
1: yes. I too work at Bay Life. I'm a worship arts coordinator.
0: Yeah. So welcome to uh, the the first of our theology of episodes.
1: Well, the first the first theology of as its own segment. Last year we did an episode um, on. The Theology of Food.
0: Yeah, that's right. I guess we did do that. But that was kind of rushed, wasn't it?
1: Well, it was the week of our wedding and, you know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) it was... I I think we panicked and we're like, oh my gosh, something needs to come out. We can talk about this.
1: Yes. But born out of that Theology of Food came an idea. We thought, why don't we do a Theology of... Interesting things. Yeah, Yeah. a segment. So that was the first dry run of the segment. This is the first uh, segment of theology of in which we sort of unpack some interesting and maybe a little weird topics. Topics. Yeah, Yeah.
0: it's um. I I think we should probably at some point come back to theology of food. Yes. Now that we're doing it as an actual segment, but
1: yes, we'll we'll come back to that.
0: But I, I think all of this is kind of born from the fact that we especially like at night over dinner or like in the morning on our days off Mm -hmm. over coffee, have all these really weird conversations (laughs) about just different topics and go, well, how do do we think about this strange, obscure thing theologically? Yeah. And and those tend to be kind of like my favorite conversations. Yeah, they're the best
1: because there's so many things that, it's just so many random things that we talk about that we're like, In Psalms, this says this, or, you know, the Bible actually has a lot to say about whatever, and it's kind of like a mind-blowing time. Yeah. And those are our favorite times through our conversations. And so through the Theology of series, we want to bring those maybe some weird topics or daily topics that we wouldn't even think that there's theology in them, Mm -hmm. but look at them through an angle in which... We think, well, what does the Bible say about this topic? Yeah. Or how can we think theologically about this topic?
0: Absolutely. And, and I think it's important to recognize we're not sitting around going, what's something other than salvation that we can talk about? Right. But, but rather we're, we're saying, okay, how, how does our salvation work itself out into every area of life? Mm-hmm. We're almost kind of asking the question in this segment, what is our salvation for? And how does it touch different areas of our life, like our nine to five job or our marriages or how does it affect the way that we look at food and eat and in particular this week how does salvation and how does scripture speak to sleep sleep i like that intro that was nice thank you that was beautiful i worked really hard on it i could tell yeah so we're talking about sleep we love sleep we do we We don't we don't get much of it we
1: don't we don't get enough of it
0: no it's so i'd be interested to know your background here my my relationship with sleep sleep Sleep, (laughs) my relationship with sleep, especially when I was younger, was that I hated it. Like, I didn't Mm -hmm. like the idea of going to sleep. One of my favorite things as a kid was going to sleepovers at my friend's house, and I would try and convince everyone else at the sleepover to stay up all night with me. And I don't know why I thought that was cool, but I thought it was so, so cool to not go to sleep. And we would, we would normally I was the only one who made it through the night and more Mm. often than not, I didn't make it through the night, but the next morning we didn't feel good. We felt awful and we're kind of miserable. And the rest of the day was totally destroyed because we were exhausted. Mm. But yeah, as a kid, I didn't really want to go to sleep at all. I don't know. What about you? Did you have a phase like that? Yeah.
1: I feel like in the whole sleepover phase, I was always the one like whenever I would go to someone's house for a sleepover, we would watch a movie. And by the end I would be the only one awake. So for example, one of my favorite movies, The Princess Diaries. <laughs> okay, so we went to a friend's house, stayed the night. It was like a slumber party. And I was like, oh my gosh, this movie's so good. And and we stayed up late and, and watched it. But by the time we got to the end, I was the only one awake. Everybody else had fa- like fallen asleep. So, I think- So ha- sad. I know, it's such a great film. And right. halfway through, everyone started kind of dozing off. But I was so, and I think it might be because- I was never really like allowed to watch TV that much. So as a kid, when I would go to someone's house and watch a movie, I would be like bright-eyed watching it like through the end. And by the end, I was the only one awake.
0: Wow. And and that's really hard when you see a good movie because you want to talk about it with people, Yeah,
1: I couldn't process it because I was was, like turned to my friend. What did you think? And she was asleep. It's tragic. Yeah. So that was pretty sad for me. So uh, during sleepovers and things like that, I, I never was like, we have to stay up late, but- I loved it because I was not allowed to do that. So I was, I would just be the last one to fall asleep and it'd be a little lonely.
0: It's yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like a punk rock moment for you, but it was was bittersweet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I think we've also kind of experienced this once we got married, like, but before we got married, I I feel like we were always hanging out with our friends until super late at night. And you know, I,
1: no problem. No problem. We would just stay up.
0: Right. And like, even for me, like, Gosh, I had no problem staying up until one or two o'clock in the morning hanging out at Three Coins or at at the diner (laughs) or Denny's or anything like that. Yeah. But then once we got married, it was like instantaneous.
1: Oh, my gosh. On our honeymoon, eight o'clock would roll around and be like, man, it's, it's late. It's time for bed. Yeah. And we were like. What is happening to us?
0: Somehow this covenant has turned us into old people that can't (laughs) stand up. Yeah, instantaneously. Right. Yeah. So, so I think one of the things that is maybe a challenge for us is with something like sleep, it can feel like a waste of time, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're you're not productive when you sleep. You can't keep doing your job. I guess. I guess if you make a really good post on social media before you go to bed, the likes will keep rolling in even as you sleep. Yeah. But. But it does seem like it's a waste of time. And yet, I think from some of the research and reading we've been doing, it it turns out that when we sleep, our bodies are actually doing a lot. What's some of the stuff that you came across as we kind of prep for this episode? Yeah,
1: so as we we thought through this and we tried to incorporate a lot of scientific research behind sleep, we realized that there's a lot that goes on while we sleep, in particular with our brains. And so a lot of the stuff that we read through – um all seem to say the same thing. So I'll read an excerpt from a chapter in Andy Crouch's The Tech-Wise Family, which is a great
0: book. It then. is really really good. Yeah. We should have him on the show. We
1: should. We Yeah, Andy, if
0: you're listening, please come on the show. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, so he actually wrote a chapter on waking and sleeping. And so one of the things that he says is while we are apparently dead to the world, our brains are in fact buzzing with activity. Recording memories, consolidating what we've learned and experienced, and cleaning up the biochemical residue of each day. All that to say, even though we're asleep and we're not actually conscious, our brains are still functioning and working.
0: Right. Things are going on. And and that kind of fits really well with what I was reading on the John Hopkins website, uh, talking about something called brain plasticity, which mm-hmm. is a, just a ton of syllables. A fancy word. It, it's very fancy. Big which brain. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> But, but basically what it says is that when we sleep, it, it helps with our brain's ability to adapt to input. And so I'm kind of quoting here from the page. It says, if we sleep too little, we become unable to process what we've learned during the day, and we have more trouble remembering it in the future. And so even though mm. sleep feels unproductive, God has wired our bodies in such a way that a lot is actually happening to us biologically right. when we go to sleep.
1: For sure, yeah, and and it seems like you know it's time for us to rest. We're not paying attention. We're becoming unconscious. <laughs> kind yeah, of, right. Yeah, our brains continue to function and they keep working. So that says a lot about our biological need for sleep and yeah. how beneficial it is for yeah, us.
0: Absolutely. Well, and and I think it's it's important. And this kind of gets us to the heart of the show. All of that's going on biologically while we sleep, right. but I think there's some things that are going on theologically while we sleep too, especially as we kind of jump into Scripture here. The Bible actually says a whole lot about sleep and how God uses it and why God gives it to us. So why don't we jump into Scripture itself here? Of
1: course. The, the very first time that we see the word sleep mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis 2, verse 21 and it says so the lord god caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and while he slept he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh so clearly we see sleep as something that god's designing for us and we see it in action in this verse
0: right have i have i told you about the the weird thought that irenaeus that church father has about this passage
1: yeah i think we've talked about it before
0: it's it's so strange he he says the reason why god causes adam to go to sleep is because sleep was not something that happened before the fall mm. i don't know if i agree with that i don't know what what do you think
1: i don't know i think that's very speculative yeah, we, we don't know.
0: Yeah, you know, I think for me the reality is that sleep is something we see in the garden mm-hmm. before sin enters the pre-fall. world. Fall, it's pre-fall, yeah. right? Which means that it's it's something that's good. It's a part of God's good creation. Sure. And and I guess people listen to this and they'll go, well, "What about the fact that God rested on the seventh day?" And mm. that's an important question. But I think when you look at the text, it's very clear that God is not sleeping. Um, right. God God does not go to sleep on the seventh day. Genesis says that he ceased from his labors, so he stops creating on the seventh day. Mm-hmm. But, but God does not need rest like we need rest. Rather, he models it for us, and, right. and God's divine rest on the seventh day is the basis of our rest. I think sleep is actually one of, one of the big differences between us and God, because we as creatures need to sleep. We right. require it and yet God does not.
1: Right, and I think that's such a huge marking of our humanity, and it it definitely differentiates us from God and the fact that we need sleep, we need it to function. God does not.
0: Right, there's a a term that theologians use called aseity, which is basically that God exists in and of himself. He He doesn't exist as the result of any outside influence or sustenance, so like You and I need to eat. We Mm -hmm. we had chicken wings this afternoon for lunch. We did. Because we need to eat to live. Buffalo
1: and lemon pepper. Exactly. Extra crispy. Yeah. In case anyone's wondering.
0: (laughs) That's the only way to do it. Only way. Large ranch. But even the fact that we eat is a sign that we need energy and sustenance from outside of ourselves, Right. God is ascetic, which is to say that he does not need anything outside of himself, which means he doesn't need to sleep, nor does he sleep. And that's kind of what the Psalms say.
1: Yeah. So looking at Psalm 121, chapter four, it says, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And that's such a comforting thing for us to hear, isn't it?
0: I mean, it's it's something that, that the Psalms get into a lot. Yeah. The Psalms are constantly talking about sleep. Yeah, they do. And, and I think of Psalm thir- uh, not 35, but Psalm 3, 5. It says, I lay down and slept and woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. And yeah. that kind of plays into that passage that you mentioned, Mickey, in Psalm 121, that God doesn't sleep. Right. But when we do sleep, we're sustained by God through it because sleep is such, su- it's such a vulnerable place to be in. It really is it's i mean the the phrase that we use in kind of our vernacular is when you go to sleep you're dead to the world mm-hmm. like if you've ever just passed out from a really long day at work you'll say man i was dead to the world and yeah. when, when i you fell asleep you cease to exist right and, but you're actually in a really dangerous position when you go to sleep and i feel like we experienced this like this oh, week oh yes
1: <laughs> we did for sure so a uh, few days ago over the weekend, actually, our car got broken into so overnight. Cool. Yeah. And which was, which was sort of, it was, it was just a very like invasive thing to experience, right? Cause the next day we try to go into our car because we're going to go to work. And I we, think we were going to go
0: get coffee. We were, yeah. We, we actually were had go, like a fun day planned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We were going to go get coffee and plan out. I think this, this, this episode, actually, we were yeah. going to go plan it out, which was fun for us. And then Travis opens the car and he comes back and he's like, "Uh, someone was in my car. I'm like, what? So I go out take a look. Everything's just torn up. Everything's yeah. just thrown about. And I was like, yep, that wasn't me.
0: Yeah, wires are pulled out from under the wheel, Yeah, and-
1: which was really unsettling and super, it was just super invasive. And it really caused me for the next few nights after that to really be just on the on edge at yeah. night especially knowing that the previous night someone had broken into our car and so it was just it was just very it, it was a very vulnerable position for us to be in yeah and I,
0: I think for you it, it seemed like it really, it caused you to feel unsafe when you went to sleep. It did. Like yeah. it reminded you that while you're asleep, bad things can happen, and and you you don't have any say or input or control over oh, it. Oh
1: yeah. The yeah. Ne- the following few nights, I was just up all night, and any little thing that I heard outside, I I woke you up. It's yeah, like, Travis there's someone in the yard. You're like, yeah, it's it was our the landlord, landlord walking his dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I would notice whenever the neighbor's lights would go on, or if I heard a car alarm down the street, I would just instantly wake up because I wasn't really sleeping very deeply. I was just like very on edge. And that, that really caused just an unsettling feeling with me. And it reminded me of, man, when I sleep, -hmm. I really am surrendering everything right (laughs) right now, yeah. Which which really reflects the the truth in that that when we go to sleep, whether or not we're we're conscious of this choice, Mm -hmm. but it's it's an act of surrender. We are choosing to allow God to watch over us, like physically, while we just check out.
0: Yeah. Gosh, that's and maybe that brings us to like one of the big things when we're talking about a a theology of sleep. Mm every time you go to sleep, you are entrusting yourself to God right and, and that's why it matters what what the psalm you mentioned 1214 says that he doesn't sleep. Mm-hmm. like it matters that God doesn't sleep because you are trusting him when you do right like how many how many times has it been the plot of a movie that the person who's supposed to keep watch falls, falls asleep, asleep at their post right. right But God doesn't do that because he doesn't need sleep. We do mm-hmm. because we are not like God. And yet, we can sleep in comfort and in peace because our God doesn't sleep.
1: Right. Yeah. And and that's a verse that I go to in the, in the midst of those times where I'm like, oh, I don't know, can I go to sleep without having to worry? And and it's like, well, I'm gonna choose to trust that that the Lord's watching over us. Maybe right. our car got broken into, but our house didn't. Right. So we were safe. And so it's just it's a trust thing. and yeah. It's a process too for us. So know that this topic of Theology of Sleep is very much...
0: A live issue in our house. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it really is. It's really relevant to us. And this is just as much for us as we want it to be for our listeners. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, um, did you read the Christopher Ash book that was kind of on our stack of resources for this? Yes, I did. One of the things I thought was really good in that is he talks about how... When we refuse to sleep because we need, you know, we need another hour to get more work done or mm-hmm. we can't sleep because we're worried, we're actually trying to take the place of God. Right. Like it's almost this act of defiance going, I don't trust you to, to watch over me in my sleep. Yeah. I don't think I have limits. Mm-hmm. When, when we refuse to sleep, and I don't think I was consciously doing this as like an elementary schooler mm-hmm. at sleepover parties. But when we refuse to sleep, we're saying, I'm like God and I don't need this. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's this unintentional act of defiance. Whereas when we say, I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to trust God, we're also saying, I'm not like God and I need sleep and I need him to watch over me in the middle of it.
1: For sure. And and no matter how hard we try to keep that up. I'm telling you, a couple nights of not sleeping, and I am very much aware of my weakness yeah. as a human. I think like I our can't. first take
0: of this podcast was oh, evidence yeah. of how little sleep we've yes. gotten.
1: it took quite a bit. So yeah, it's, yeah, you know, it's an active thing that we're 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 learning through.
0: So one of the other passages that I was thinking of is Psalm 127, verse two, and it says this: "It is in vain that you rise up early." and go late to rest, Mm -hmm. eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. And I think this gets back to something that's really important, and it's this idea that sleep is a gift that God gives to those he loves. Uh, The language of the psalmist, and this is the ESV translation, is that he gives to his beloved sleep. And so I wonder how often this has happened, where we've had like a really good night's sleep, and And we wake up in the morning recognizing that that was a sign of God's love for us. Mm -hmm. But a good night's sleep is actually a sign of God's love for you and his care for you.
1: It really is. And I think in John Bailey's Theology of Sleep, he gives a a similar translation where he says that that psalm says he gives to his beloved in sleep. Oh,
0: that's an interesting little shift. It's
1: just one word, but it, it really drives home the point that through sleep... God is gifting us, he's providing for us, even in our sleep.
0: That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's not just that sleep is a gift, but in sleep, God is giving us gifts. Right. Which is, I guess that kind of gets back to Genesis, right? It does,
1: because in in verse 21 of chapter 2, you see God making Adam fall asleep. Right. Giving him a deep sleep, taking his rib and forming his wife out of it. Right. Like, which is what the best gift. Yeah. <laughs> what a gift. Right. And so, you know, he caused him to sleep very deeply. And out of that, he gave him a gift, which yeah. is his wife. So going back to that, it, it really is a sign of what a gift sleep is. But through sleep, God, God also provides. gives us gifts. Yeah.
0: yeah. And maybe that gets back to the biology and the Andy Crouch book and, mm-hmm. and the John Hopkins website where where when we sleep, God is doing things in our bodies and, and through the biology of our bodies that that yeah. are gifts. He's enabling us to remember. He's enabling us to learn. He's giving our, our brains the ability to sort through the things that have happened throughout the day. And so yeah. sleep itself is a gift, and in sleep, God is giving us gifts as well. I mm. think that's really good. It is. Yeah.
1: So Travis, as the scholar <laughs> on this podcast, our teaching yeah. pastor, can you tell us a little bit about the Jewish day. If we're going to take it, we're going to take it to the Bible. Yeah. yeah we're going to yeah. talk about history. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the Jewish day and what the, the Hebrews knew about sleep, the importance of sleep and the structure of their day, how it revolves around sleep and what it means.
0: Yeah. So this is actually really interesting um, for us. Our day essentially begins. We, we start the next 24 hours at midnight mm-hmm. in the middle of the night and that's when it moves from Tuesday to Wednesday or Wednesday to Thursday. Right. Um, the Jewish understanding, the day began at sundown. Mm-hmm. and so The let's, day before. The, yeah, sundown well, the day. What we would consider. What we would call the day before, right? So like, okay, so this is a maybe not a great analogy, but if we're thinking in sort of biblical timeline, Wednesday starts at 7.30 tonight when the sun goes right. down. That's the beginning of Wednesday. It's the reason why, ironically... Maybe not ironically, but it's the reason why Jesus is in the tomb for three days and three mm. nights, because we're using the Jewish reckoning of time, right? not the Western American reckoning of time. Um, but that's interesting, right? Because that's right around the time where everybody goes to bed. In a world before lights, and a world before TV, in a world before smartphones, mm. the day begins with sleep. Right. And, and that, that shifts the way that we think about our day, because in our mind, we go to bed after a long day's work.
1: And we wake up to a new day. And we wake up to a new day. we consider a new day.
0: Right. So... So work is the foundation of our day mm-hmm. and rest is the reward at the end. Whereas in the Jewish mind, rest is actually the beginning of your day. Right. Sleep is, is the thing that you start your day with mm-hmm. and you work out of the overflow of that rest. Mm. And I think that that's a, that's a really, it's, it's a different way of viewing time. It's an yeah. important insight yeah. that, that our sleep, our entrusting ourselves to God's care is not something we do at, at the end of our day, yeah. but it's actually the foundation for our day and everything else we do.
1: Yeah, very true, and and I like the point that you bring up with considering our workday as as an overflow of the rest that we've received. Yeah. In the beginning, man, I think that shift in perspective can really change things for us. I don't know. I mean, I think that we should always strive to have healthy sleeping patterns. Yeah. And there's there's so much that you could look up. There's so many habits that you can form, healthy habits that promote healthy sleeping patterns. And I don't know, I feel like that's that's just something that is worth considering. Why don't we see rest as or or the time that we go to bed? this is the beginning of the day. right? I am gonna work and I'm gonna live in the overflow of how well I've rested.
0: right. And, and what that actually does is it frames our day in light of God's grace, mm-hmm. right? Because if our day begins with the sleep that God gives us right. and gives gifts to us in, then every good thing we do throughout the day is the result of God's grace to us in that night of sleep that we've had. And, and so it makes the, God's grace that much more tangible in everything that we do.
1: Exactly, and I think that's even something that non-believers engage in without even knowing. Without
0: even recognizing it.
1: It's that when we go to bed, we are surrendering everything and we are trusting that God, it's an opportunity to trust God mm-hmm. that He is watching over us and keeping us safe it's something that we as believers do without even realizing, and people who are non-believers too, yeah. there's so many ways in which we have to trust God. It's just woven in our nature. Right. Our and,
0: bodies are built to be dependent. And right. so, so much so that even, like you said, when a non-Christian goes to sleep, they don't even realize it, but mm-hmm. they are resting in the common grace of God that right. he will watch them while they are dead to the world.
1: Exactly. So I'd like to pull a quote from the Andy Crouch book. Yeah. Again, going back to the TechWise family. Yeah. We we need to do like a book review on this or something. Yeah, we really do. It's phenomenal. It is. And so again, in his chapter on waking and sleeping, he says, and I'll quote, the lilies of the field close up their blooms at night and rest patiently for the next day. But we cloaked in ghostly light make tomorrow's troubles, today's and tonight's instead. The devices we carry to bed make us feel connected and safe actually prevent us from trusting in the one who knows our needs and who alone can protect us through the dangers and sorrows of any night. Mm. So segueing into more of like a Practical. practical approach to this is we all know, we've heard it over and over again, our cell phones, our TVs, things at night. Really hinder us from being able to rest fully in the in God's protection. Mm-hmm. So that was just something I really, um, I really enjoyed and I really appreciated about his chapter on waking and sleeping and how things like our cell phones really affect. The way that we engage with God's grace.
0: Yeah, man, I, and that brings us to something that I think would be really, really practical. Mm-hmm. Which I'll just admit up front, we're not currently doing, but maybe we work. We on should. This. I was yeah. gonna
1: say, actually, you know what? We should buy like an alarm clock. Yeah,
0: an acoustic alarm an clock.
1: Acoustic <laughs> alarm clock. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: but but I think that's such a practical thing. Like you, in your phone, you have access to everything going on all the time. Yeah. We know from all sorts of studies how bad the blue light of a screen is for being able to go to sleep. And it causes you to borrow trouble from tomorrow when you should be trusting God for the night's rest ahead. Mm -hmm. And so really practical. If you're looking to implement some of the stuff we've talked about just with trusting God in your sleep and viewing sleep theologically, put your phone in the other room when you go to bed. Yeah. And buy an acoustic alarm clock. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And allow yourself to just trust God and go to sleep and not worry about responding to the latest tweet or keeping up with the latest news or anything like
1: that. Right. So maybe in the future we'll do a theology of technology. I
0: think we should. Maybe. Yeah. That's a thought. Yeah. So it's probably good at this point to kind of wrap things up and, and sort of summarize what we've talked about. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've even begun to scratch the surface of right. this theology of sleep.
1: There's so much.
0: There's so much we could say. But, but if we're going to talk about sleep theologically, I think there's a couple things that we can kind of camp around. One... Sleep is a part of God's good creation. Mm -hmm. It's in the garden before the fall enters. Two, God doesn't need sleep, but we do. Mm -hmm. And because we do, it's good news that God doesn't need sleep because when we sleep, we're vulnerable. And yet what enables us to have a, a good night's rest is trusting that the God who doesn't sleep is going to watch over us. And then maybe finally, this is an important thing to say, that sleep is a gift from God and also in sleep God gives us gifts. And so every yes. time we sleep, it's an opportunity for gratitude. Mm. Every time yes. we close our eyes and go to bed, it's an opportunity to trust God to care for us through the night. It's also an opportunity for gratitude to receive the good gifts of God. Yes. And it can be if we if we view it the way that our that our forefathers in the Old Testament did. It can be the foundation, this foundational grace that leads to a life of fruitful work for the sake of the kingdom.
1: Yes, I, I totally agree. And for our listeners, know that this is something that we are also working on implementing in our family. And so we are walking through a theology of sleep alongside with you guys. Absolutely. And so with that being said, we would love to hear what sort of topics you guys want to hear about, what sort of things that you would like to be brought out in a theological lens this is this is our favorite stuff to talk about uh, this
0: is fun for us it is it's Absolutely. really fun
1: so we would love to hear from you we would love to hear what topics you'd be interested in so we have an email it's called the stone table at baylife.org yes it where is. you can feel free to send us an email and and talk to us we would love to connect with you if you've enjoyed this podcast please be sure to rate and subscribe let your friends know it's it's good to get the word out.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here and we'll see you all next week. For Baylife Church, I'm Travis. And I'm Nikki. And this is The Stone Table.